0: And welcome to the call. Ten stocks, two guests, one hour. That's what we've got ahead of us. It is Tuesday, the 20th of October. Lots ahead, as I said. Let's introduce you to our two experts we've got in the studio with us for the next hour to take us through those stocks. We have Gary Glover in studio with us from Novus Capital. Appreciate your time, as always, on the
2: program. Thanks, Ingrid, for having us.
0: And welcoming over Skype, Howard Coleman from Team Invest. So welcome into the show, Howard. Thanks for your company today.
2: Yeah, great to be with you, Ingrid and Gary. A long time uh, we haven't been on TV together, Ingrid.
0: No, it'll be good fun. So let's get straight into it, shall we, with our stock of the day. So before we get into our 10 stocks that have been chosen by you, we'll talk our stock of the day, which is Dicker Data. Now, the stock's up today, up about 6%, reaching new highs as it announces a robust result leading into its final quarter for FY20. Its total revenue up by almost 15% to $1.48 billion compared to the same period last year. Profit before tax up by 28.3% to $60.8 million. Now management says the business continues to prove resilient to the negative impacts of COVID-19 and it's seeing an uptick in quoting activity plus the resumption of larger infrastructure projects. So as I said, the stock doing particularly well today uh, in light of this uh, third quarter update. Gary, I might start with you with the stock of the day, Dickadata. Do you like it?
1: Yeah, look, it's interesting here. It's like it's a like $1.5 billion market cap. So the PE is around that 25, 26. So Mm. maybe looking a little pricey, uh, yield around 3.5%. But the cracking result, so, I think sort of half on half is up about eighteen percent the revenue, and NPAT's up around twenty four percent. So that those are big numbers. So um, we're talking about um, you know the whole digital transformation. So you know everyone's obviously um, you know mass industry change. So mm-hmm. look, there's plenty of stocks that are probably haven't had as good results of that that are trading on multiples way higher than that. So that's probably a positive for Dicker Data. So um, I just think it's a to cracking result here. So probably gonna push the share price higher. So, um, but not cheap here, but lots of stocks that are a lot more expensive than this one. So it's probably got a bit more uh, upside potential here.
0: Okay. Howard, wanna get your view on Dicker data cause it's done quite well today. In particular, those results are pretty solid. What's your take going forward?
2: Yeah, in fact, it's been doing well for quite a long time. It's return on equity is extremely high and been rising and that's always a good predictor of uh, a company turning into a wealth winner i mean its return on equity is in it was in the 30s percent for a number of years now it's uh, over 50 percent and it's certainly benefiting from the work from home uh, as people need more technology and consumables that go with the technology this is great for companies like this a, a company that uh, Uh, I know well as one called multimedia technology not listed part of another listed company called uh, team invest private uh, which Mm. obviously I know well and uh, they're in a similar field and also been benefiting from the working from home Um, earnings growing fast as you'd expect with that um, high return on equity Um, the only one thing that's a negative perhaps is that the debt levels are quite high. It's got about 143% debt to equity, largely because it pays out almost 100% of its earnings every year in the form of dividends. Now, at some point in time, they're going to have one year where they're going to have to pay out less than that to start reducing their debt. Uh, Otherwise, somewhere down the track, they may have to do a capital raising if they keep growing.
0: Okay, so that's on Dicker Data. Because, you you know, when you look look, at the... Sorry, Howard, go on.
2: No, I was just going to say, but overall looks good to me other than the debt levels being a little bit high.
0: Okay, so um, valuation not a concern for you at the moment, Howard?
2: No, not really. I mean, it's on a 25 PE, which five years ago when interest rates were much higher, you'd say was quite high, but a 25 PE today is lower than most unprofitable companies Mm. uh, or barely profitable companies. So no, uh, it's looking reasonable at the moment
1: you know 100 percent yes i mean there's plenty of companies on there trading on 90 100 PEs who still haven't hit the profit market so uh
0: so keep that in mind yeah basically all right yeah. well there's a dick of data for you we'll um, leave the stock of the day there and move on to our 10 stocks um, that we have from you of course our first one comes from alex so thanks alex For your question on this stock, it is Air New Zealand, uh, ticket AIZ. And this has been an interesting one. We know it's in the travel space. Um, The travel space has been hit particularly hard by COVID-19, although hoping a recovery can start to happen. In fact, we're just hearing borders between South Australia and New Zealand um, will reopen immediately. So this, of course, would help Air New Zealand. And travel bubbles are also being discussed. Um, Howard, I might start with you for Air New Zealand. What's your take on this one?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, this has the advantage and disadvantage of being a monopoly um when you're a monopoly uh, as you are if you have the only uh place that a- aircraft internationally generally land and it's uh, your your airport um that's wonderful when times are good but it means when times are bad you take all the hit that is caused in the downturn and you don't have any of your competitors going broke enabling you to pick up market share. So Air New Zealand's been hit particularly hard, obviously, by COVID. If it wasn't a monopoly, it probably wouldn't have been hit so hard because some of its competitors that were weaker may have gone broke. Um, So uh, uh, difficult to see, though, where it's going until we know that uh, there's a vaccine or that we've decided we're going to live with it. Um, It's hard to see Air New Zealand doing particularly well because although the bubble with Australia and perhaps uh, Korea and Japan and Singapore uh, may develop, uh, that's only a very small proportion of the total number of flights that used to come in and out of New Zealand. So at this stage would be a no from us. And monopolies are generally not good things to be invested in when there's a recession.
0: All right. So a sell from you on that one, Howard, I think will conclude. What about you, Gary? What do you think about New Zealand? Yeah, I think
1: in the middle of a pandemic, the fact that the government owns 51% of this airline is probably a good thing. Yep. Uh, so that's the that's the good news. Uh, the bad news here is they've got a $900 million loan, already gone through about 110 of that, so it leaves about $790 that the government's given them. So cash burn is around about 65 to $85 million uh, a month. So that gives them around about 10 months here mm. uh, of, of current cash burn before they have to go back and get some more money. So they've already basically guidance that they'll be doing a raising before June next year so that's the negative is that if you have to go to the market and tap the market for some money normally you do it at a discount Um, so that's gonna keep a little bit of a lid on the price here so but just looking at the technical picture there it looks pretty interesting here the price action actually is kind of positive for me so as much as I'd be a little wary jumping in here but price action stocks probably oversold here I think it's one of those sort of stocks here that if uh, if we start to see some light on COVID, uh, the market will get probably pretty excited about this one.
0: So a buy from you?
1: It, uh probably a soft buy here. Soft yeah. buy. We'll take it. We'll yeah. take it
0: as a buy. Um, but it is yeah. interesting because this travel sector, it's really all about timing, isn't it? Because we know it's yeah. going to recover eventually. Yeah. But you've got to make it through that sort of rough period first.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's, I guess it's sometimes you look at these things as, you know, because everyone's sort of saying, oh, who do you, who do you, if you, if you are going to go long A stock, yeah in this sort of travel sphere because it's pretty risky it's no no doubt about it you know whether you look you know flight center Webjet, qantas all the airlines you know very risky segment to be in because no one really knows how long this COVID. if it drags on for a lot longer then a lot of these businesses potentially could be you know solvent here or mm. we'll have to go to the market you know and be pretty aggressive which will keep us sh- you know little on the price so i think air new zealand actually having 51 percent owned by the government is probably is probably a damn sweet thing to have actually behind this back pocket here so that's probably going to be a big benefit for this stock
0: all right well uh a sell from Howard, to buy from gary a soft buy but a buy nonetheless air new zealand obviously in the travel space so one we're watching closely Let's go to our second stock uh, today, and that's Pinnacle Investment Management, ticker PNI. It comes to us from Stephen, of course, an investment trust that we know um, well, Pinnacle. But I'm, Gary, I might get you to give a bit more detail on Pinnacle and your thoughts on it.
1: Yes, yeah, so big market cap, so $1 billion, uh P.E. around 28. So I don't know how accurate that is, That might be slightly dilutive there. Yields around 2.8%. Um, basically about 16 different affiliates. Um, manage about $58 uh, billion across all the different assets there. Um, I guess, look, the, the plus there is that um, the full year was up around 5% on the profit side and around about, um, I think the funds under management um, did sort of grow in the full year, but they were obviously down from the peak in the market. Um, so if, if you look outside of the correction in the market there, they actually have been growing their funds. So that's, that's a positive there. Just looks a little fully priced here for me. Mm. Um, with the, with the rally in the market here, everything's sort of gone with it. Um, I can see the market sort of edging back here. So I think, I think the stock will probably peel back a bit here. So a sell? Probably a sell, I'd definitely not a buy here, no. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, a sell on Pinnacle. Howard, what's your take on Pinnacle?
2: Yeah, this is a company that passes our filters uh, very nicely. And yeah. in fact, we, we ran a smart on it on Friday here in Sydney um, with about 80 members uh, present. It's got high return on equity, its earnings are growing, it's got minimal debt, and its business fills a market need. There are lots of people who'd like to start a fund management business. I mean, fund management businesses are generally very profitable for the people who start them. And, um, but the problem in the early days is getting a a financial services license, which is both costly, but also takes a long time. And at the same time, the back office management is expensive until you have a reasonable amount of funds under management. So what Pinnacle does is it supplies these services to other funds. So for relatively small funds in exchange for usually a share of equity, uh, Pinnacle provides all the back office management and at the same time provides the financial services license. So it looks pretty good. As Gary says, perhaps the PE ratio a little bit high when you consider that Magellan uh, is on a lower PE ratio. But um, the one big risk, of course, for Pinnacle is um, the fact that the licence is being used by a large number of funds. Mm, and ASIC yeah. has got really tough on people uh, renting out their licences if the person they rent it to or the company they rent it to does something wrong. Um, so that would be a big risk for them. Uh, they ameliorate that risk by running all the back office and the administration themselves. But um, yeah, basically looks like a good business, a little bit pricey at the moment. And uh, as long as you are mindful of the one big risk that's there. So it probably would be a buy for me if the share price was a bit lower. I like the business, I like its metrics, but price at the moment, just a little bit high.
0: So a hold from you, Howard?
2: Yep, a hold from me.
0: A hold from you, but if valuation uh, sort of uh, prevails, I guess you could say, then it would turn to a buy. All right, pinnacle there, Howard um, and Gary's views. Let's go to the third stock of the day today, and that's Amcor, Ticket AMC. It comes from Peter. Now, this one's already in our portfolio, so we need to get buyers from you guys in order to keep it in our portfolio. Howard, I'm going to kick it off with you. Tell us a bit about Amcor for viewers that perhaps aren't across the business.
2: well you asked the wrong person because that's going to knock it out of your uh, portfolio (laughs) because I'm not a pie you know uh, the the problem with Ancor is that hasn't really increased its earnings per share for roughly a decade I mean earnings per share being pretty much the same for about a decade now now when you invest in businesses you want to invest in wealth winners companies that are going to grow their earnings because if they grow their earnings per share their share price will grow and um, that's not the case with Amcor and it's also got a reasonably high debt level not particularly high for a company of its size and considering what it does it's clearly benefiting at the moment from the huge increase in deliveries that have got to be packaged and sent out to customers so that's going to be very good for them but nevertheless when a company goes through roughly 10 years uh, of hardly being able to grow its earnings uh, it's not one that Team Invest members would be, be at all enthusiastic about, so a no from me.
0: Ugh, no from Howard. So it's out of our portfolio by the looks of it. Gary, what's your take on Amcor?
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with Howard a little bit there. I think it's actually pretty pricey here. So I, I know that the segment's on um, getting some good traction at the moment, so mm. the results are pretty positive there. But, um, yeah, I mean, the P is pretty high here on this one here. Um, the thing I noticed actually just looking at the technical picture there, as you can see, look, look at that, I've got the same chart there, around 1650, yeah. the stock hasn't been able to, to actually trade above there and stay there. So for, for the last five for years, years yeah. it's gone to 1650 and hit a wall. So um, the volume's pretty light here as well. This rally here, the, yeah, there's not a lot of, you know, normally if we're going to punch through a big technical zone, mm. it normally normally happens when there's a bit of uh, commitment behind it, a bit of volume there, but we're going up here on declining volume. so. Mm. Volumes are getting lighter and lighter as we're getting close to the level. So I, I gotta say anything near 1650 is probably a sell for me. So I know the business is in pretty good shape. The segment's getting a bit of traction at the moment, but looks expensive here. And I think at 1650, there's a brick wall there.
0: All right, so a sell from you, Gary? It's
1: closer to a sell than a buy for sure, yeah.
0: Howard, can I ask you, You know, as um, Gary's saying that the segment gaining a little bit of traction, price is obviously an issue, Howard if a valuation was perhaps more attractive would it be an interesting buy for you
2: no because it's a business that even if it this time does well because the segment's getting some traction it doesn't say a lot for the quality of the business and the quality of management that they require a pandemic hmm. to help them increase their earnings per share and for the 10 years prior to that they were unable to do it so no definitely not
0: All right, well, clear thoughts there um, from Howard and from Gary. Let's move on to our next stock. And this is uh, the fourth stock of the day, actually, that we're talking about Helios, ticker HLS. This comes from Jessica. So thank you, Jessica, uh, for your email on this one. Of course, a healthcare business, um, you know, formerly primary. Gary, tell us a bit about Helios and whether you like it or not.
1: Yes, uh, 2.1 billion market gaps are pretty big. PE sort of, uh, well, I couldn't sort of find the PE They Obviously they, they haven't, they're unprofitable here. The yield's less than 1%. So I thought most of the broker valves are sitting around this sort of 350 to 380 zone. Mm. So not too much upside potential in terms of uh, where the brokers have sort of got their upper valuations. Um, I do like the sector. I just don't think this is the right company to be choosing in that sector. So um, it's funny, our primary healthcare always uh, underperformed the sector previously so you know the Ramsey sort of Sonic um, you know Fisher-Piekel healthcare just yeah, there's so many better stocks in that sector there mm-hmm. so um, I saw you know that the last update here in August a full year was I think full year loss of 70 million there was some write-down of some medical centers the revenue was pretty much flat for the year so but who's writing down the value of medical centers only if you're choosing poor ones mm-hmm. really so um, Yeah, I just don't think this is the right stock to be in that sector. I think there's plenty of other stocks in the sector which um, you put in front of this one.
0: Okay, so a sell from you? Yeah. Gosh, a lot of sells coming out of the show today. Let's uh, go to to Howard to get his view on Helios. Howard, what's your take?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with Gary, um, not not enthused about it at all. Mm. and uh, the write down is probably because they overpaid for the medical center in the first place write downs usually occur because you overpay for something when you buy it and seeing as they've made a lot of acquisitions the chances are the big write down gary refers to was caused by them having overpaid but it's had very low return on equity i mean the last five years the return on equity full full years has been less than one percent four percent three point one percent five point one percent and three point three percent um, that you, you can't get a decent return on owning a business that can hardly generate any profits from the equity in the business um, its earnings haven't been growing either which is hardly surprising when its return on equity so low Debt's a little bit high but uh, you know it's, it's in pathology and radiology and medical centers um, if you want something in radiology a far better business with high return on equity and growth and earnings per share would be integral diagnostics but if you're looking more broadly, as Gary said, the fabulous companies like Fish & Piker Healthcare and ResMed and Cochlear and CSL that are in, in, in medical related or health related things, um, uh, it's definitely a no for me and anybody in Team Invest, I think in, in the case of Helios.
0: Could there be opportunity, Howard, and I realize it's a sell from you, but could, it, could there be opportunity for a turnaround in this business? And you know, perhaps this sell off of the medical centers is a catalyst for that?
2: Yeah, well, the the thing is, if management hasn't been capable of running the business well, why would they suddenly be able to turn it around and run the business well? Um, Businesses are run by people. It's a little bit like saying, you know, I, I played cricket at the same time that Graham Pollock played cricket. Graham Pollock was a superstar, probably one of the best batsmen ever. I had the same manufacturer of bat and pads as he did, but I can tell you it wouldn't have mattered how hard I tried to turn around my cricket I was never going to be a star cricketer uh, and to him it all came very easily. So some some people are very good at managing for making profits and others just sort of carry on in mediocrity and no matter what happens, they don't achieve much.
0: All right, Gary, and I mean, you look at technicals a lot of the time, but yeah. how much do you look at management and, and performance of management?
2: Yeah, if you look at the
1: sort of... Uh, um... I guess you look at the performance historically as well yeah. so I mean like a lot of the things are sort of inherent and cultural as well so mm. um, you know companies lead they sort of uh, for certain reasons obviously the the leaders and then the you know the, the people under those leaders there and then you know that that performance sort of carries on so it's almost a almost a culture of the firm to be sort of innovative so unless sort of you get a really big shift at the top there um which you can see occasionally, you sort of see that, Yeah, you know, often takes sort of time for these businesses to, um, to, to to sort of shift. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, I mean, primary's always been an underperformer here, hasn't? I mean, we, we've only just got the, the latest update here in August, which is just yeah. typically of its of its history. So, whereas if you look at, you know, all these other great healthcare companies in Australia, they've, um, you know, they're, they're, they're miles in front. So, just, you know, I'm with sort of how 100%. I just think it's inherent from the, from the leadership down. It's almost a culture and, Yeah.
0: All right, well, that's Helios. uh, And we've got a sell from both of you uh, on Helios there. Let's go to the next stock. And this is, um, we're sort of almost halfway through the show, Telstra, TLS. Everyone's familiar with what Telstra does. This comes from Julian. So Julian, um, thank you for your question on this one. Howard, I'll start with you on Telstra. What's your take? First up, buy, hold, sell.
2: Um, Definitely a sell. Um, You know, let's go back a little bit in time. Um, in the sort of early 2000s Telstra was being bought by everybody for its wonderfully good dividend yield and everybody I talked to said if you want dividends you have to own Telstra and I at that time bought some Telstra So this 2003 I bought some Telstra and I bought pretty much the same dollar amount of CSL and a number of people said to me what do you want to have CSL for it virtually pays no dividends Look at the size of dividend Telstra pays. Now, number one, if you count the three for one share split, I paid $17 a share for CSL, they're now about 300. So I've had a massive capital gain, Telstra's gone backwards in the same time. But even putting that aside, the dollars in dividends that I'm getting from CSL today, even though the percentage is low on that share price, the dollars I'm receiving is more than the dollars that I would have been receiving in dividends from Telstra if I'd held Telstra through that time. Now, as somebody uh, very cleverly said, and I forget who the quote was from, um, you can't eat percentages. So a high dividend yield simply means the company isn't very well thought of, uh, it's not likely to grow. You would have actually got more dollars in dividends by holding CSL through that period of time today, you'd be better off than holding Telstra. So if you're not holding Telstra for its dividend, you certainly can't be holding it for a capital gain because you know it's uh, earnings have been grown, gradually shrinking for ages, it's been a slow burn capital killer for as long as I can remember. Um, so really, uh, it's, it, to me, there's no case that you can make uh, that makes Telstra at any price a good long-term investment. You can occasionally trade it perhaps, mm. but you certainly can't make it a, a good long-term investment at any stage. And that's been the case for at least 20 years.
1: Yeah, and no, I don't disagree with how. I think uh, I think when the stock was at what, 340 here recently, it's only about 21 times earnings, which is mm. just a phenomenal PE for a stock that's got pretty much flat earnings. So, uh, yeah, look, I've, I've been encouraging clients to sort of just sell down know reduce the holdings there there's, there's a few others in the segment I'd much prefer so yeah, I mean we're still on about 18 times here yeah. um, and the yields only 3.5% here so yeah I mean there's plenty of better stocks here around than Telstra so just yeah I mean we're basically paying out of out of profits there mm. Yeah, so, so is this
0: investors trying to hold on to a dividend? Is that what's going on? Because we obviously heard from Telstra in the last week and they talked about the fact that you know they'll do everything in their power to continue paying that dividend or paying a dividend. Yeah. Um, uh, is this the hope from investors? Is this what's sort of buoying the stock?
1: There's a breakup here of sort of some of the assets as well here. That's, yeah. That was the only little uh, plus that some people were getting excited about recently, but that still hasn't eventuated yet. So um, that might give it a little boost here. but. Yeah, that's how it's been. The return on equity has been pretty pretty mm. dire. So it's just on a pretty decent multiple considering the earnings can going to be pretty flat. So it's just going to be tough to move forward. So you got to look at sort of um, what the earnings growth is going to be here in the yeah. next couple of years. And yeah, there is it's going to be pretty flat. It's going to be, you know, so can't get excited by it.
0: And NBN's obviously been a big loser for Telstra when it comes yeah. to earnings. How would it, you know... Looking at something like Telstra, which from a COVID tailwind perspective, you'd imagine could do quite well. Is it a matter of having to turn around the business and, and perhaps focus on different revenue streams? I mean, what does Telstra need to do to become a buy?
2: Um, well, very big companies like that have great difficulty in turning anything around. Mm. And added mm. to their problem is if you look at the board, Telstra has got an enormous board of independent directors there are very few people on that board who you'd say have an entrepreneurial spirit now in order to turn around a company you need an entrepreneurial spirit who with an entrepreneurial spirit would want to go and work in telstra where uh, being entrepreneurial is probably uh, a real big no-no and who with a terrific entrepreneurial spirit would want to serve on that board for long i mean it may be well paid being on that board but but it'd be pretty stifling uh, being in an environment like that if you you know entrepreneurial people tend to uh, succeed because their co- companies are relatively small i don't mean tiny little micro things but they're relatively small and they can make decisions quickly you couldn't make decisions quickly in an organization mm-hmm. like telstra mm-hmm. so how do you turn around a company that takes you years to make uh, any kind of decision and change so uh, uh, really uh, it's hard to be enthused and you know they say they're going to try and maintain their dividend I remember when their dividend was $0.32 cents and they said they were definitely going to maintain their dividend. Then it was $0.28 cents and they said they would definitely maintain their dividend. Now I can't remember how much it is, but it's a lot lower than that and they're going to maintain their dividend. Well, why don't viewers rather buy a stock that's increasing its dividend every year, year after year after year, not one that's struggling to maintain And they haven't handled
1: COVID something. well as well. So, I mean, they basically had to shift their... Um... The customer service, you know, because basically you couldn't get a hold of any customer service rep Telstra for the last six months because of COVID, and uh, so they're set up in India, Philippines. So basically, they've got all these sort of cheap call centers. There. So they've had to bring it back on, sh- you know, back onto Australia here because of because uh, of COVID, mm. and that's been. I mean, the service has been pretty diabolical throughout that period. So um, yeah, I think. And you just look at the look at the sector. There's just so many new entrants coming it's in. It's competition, so, isn't it? That's oh, what's really. You know, you yeah. have to be.
0: a You know. Head of the eight ball, sort of. Too.
1: Yeah. So I mean, there's two, what's it? Uh, who's it? Aussie broadband, is it? Somebody just listed there recently, and there's another, there's another sort of uh, telco coming online as well. So there's just plenty, plenty of competition and space here. So it's going to get tougher and tougher for
2: Telstra.
0: All right. Well, we and, might leave that. Yeah. Sorry, Howard. Did you have something to add? No, I was
2: just going to say, and, and if you did want to compete in the sector, who would you love to have as your main competitor? Some enormous company that's slow moving and not overly competent. Um, how wonderful! Um, you wouldn't want to move into an environment where your competitor was, say, Google or uh, Apple, who are nimble despite being very large. You'd want to move into a sector where uh, it's large and slothful, and that's Telstra.
0: All right, well, we'll wrap that up and we'll sort of summarise the, the half because we've, we've done five stocks now for the day. Um, unfortunately, no double buys from our guests. But what we've had so far, let's take you through it. Air New Zealand, we had a sell from Howard, a buy from Gary. Pinnacle Investment Management, we had a, a sell from Gary and a hold from Howard. Um, Amcor. It was in our portfolio. It will now be out of our portfolio because Howard put it as a sell and Gary put it as a sell as well. So a sell from both our guests there. Helios, we had a sell from Gary, a sell from Howard. So a sell from both our experts and Telstra there. I think we can conclude it was a sell uh, from both our experts as well. So, um, well, I wouldn't say a very um, optimistic look for the first half of the show, but we'll, we'll, we'll look towards the second half now and Um, see how we're tracking. Before we do though, I do want to take you through because we've got our own portfolio that we've been tracking, as I said, um, uh, here since July 1. All the stocks that get two thumbs up or a buy from both our experts on the show, we've been putting in. So let's get a check on how we've been performing. Here we go. Weekly, we're up over one and three quarters of a percent. On the month, we're up over nine percent. And year to date, we're up over 18.5%. 18 and percent not too bad taking a look at the stocks we added to the portfolio recently we've added rio tinto navigator global investments mincor resources eml payments and MegaPort. Uh, BetaShares beta asia technology tigers etf and credit corp were recently taken out and you can check all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio by heading to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio we'll be updating you every day here on the call with how it's tracking and a quick programming note for you as well. Join us later today. We'll speak live with entrepreneur, academic and author Mark Burris on the changing economic environment and impact the COVID pandemic has had on small to medium business owners. Plus, his predictions for business trends in 2021. That'll be from 3.30 Eastern Daylight Time right here on Biz. All right, let's get into it. The next half of the show, we're hoping to get a double buy from our guests um, so we can add another stock to our portfolio, but let's see how we go and we'll kick it off with integrated research, ticker R-I-R-I-R-I, I -I, I should say, Um, and this comes from Louise, so thank you very much, Louise. This is already in our portfolio as well, Um, so we'll see if it can stay. Gary, I'll start with you on this one. Do you know much about integrated research, what they actually do?
1: Yeah, we do actually. So they're basically monitoring and uh, sort of management software, sort of payments and procurements, so... They sort of serve the big end, so basically look after stock exchanges, banks, um, credit companies, telcos, IT, so kind of yep. that uh, large sort of scale, um, you know, critical sort of software, you, you might sort of say. Um, look, I I've this has come up a couple of times that I've been on here, and for me, it's always been the same technical zone. Around 350 is the buy zone for the stock here, yep. so um, it was pretty expensive i think a couple of weeks or maybe about a month ago it was sort of uh, was pretty pricey there i think might have i think um but it's on about a p of around 27 which is a bit high now but um it has grown revenues you know 10 percent profit up 10 percent so the market is sort of humming along quite quite nice so it's in a pretty pretty um strong segment too so pretty robust at the moment um so i think the stock has definitely got some more growth here it's just about pricey about you know so i'd just be I would prefer to be buying it closer to 350 than here but mm. definitely I definitely wouldn't not, not a sell definitely be holding it here I'd probably be liked to, liking to add it around 350
0: okay so you are sort of between a hold and a buy yeah all right yeah um Howard what are your thoughts on integrated research
2: yeah. great business um, mission critical software small amounts of money for each client that they're paying certainly not enough money for them to want to go and look elsewhere and have all the teething problems of changing mm. their software. So, so they've got pretty much a trapdoor mode. Once uh, a company becomes a client of theirs, the company is almost certainly never going to go away. So they gradually add a few extra clients every year who use them for a few more things. Uh, wonderful business from that point of view. Very high return on equity. Been averaging around 30% plus uh, over the last uh, decade. Um, earnings been growing at about 11% a year for half a dozen years or so and uh, no debt other than uh, lease on premises so you you really couldn't ask for more so on even on the PE that it's currently on if you don't already own it it's the kind of thing that you'd want to buy and own for years and years and years to come Uh, if you already own it and you're thinking should I add a bit extra I'm probably with Gary there um uh, i own it and i have owned it for many years done extremely well out of it i probably wouldn't add to it unless the share price came down a little bit more from where it is at the moment probably somewhere around 340 350 as gary says um but uh, uh, am i a happy shareholder absolutely and if you don't already own it uh and you're prepared to not look at the short term but look at the long term over five years or ten years um, great business to buy and you'll probably look back in a few years time and say boy am I pleased I got it so uh, a, a definitely a yes for me although if you already own it uh, you probably gonna wait until it's a little cheaper again to buy it again
0: I don't know if I can call that a double buy I almost think you're, you're pretty close to a buy but you're more of a hold so yes
1: yeah, so you look at the like the biggest volume traded for the stock for the year was the week that it struck 340 so yeah. it just tells you that this stock's going to get bought if it gets down to the lower end here. So, um, so yeah, so I, I sort of think anyone near 350 personally, but we saw that it went down to 340. That was the highest volume. So just that shows you there's accumulation. Well, you know, so I think anyone sees the stock down there, they're going to buy the stock here. So yeah, I think, you know, you know I'm mean, with Howard here, I think it's a good business. there. It's just about, you know, it's about price here.
0: All right. Yeah. So a buy at the right price, sort of a hold. Um, we'll leave it there for integrated research to get IRI. Let's move on to the next one, Woodside Petroleum. This is ticket WPL and it comes from Lena, so thank you, Lena, for the question on this one. Um, Gary, I'll kick it off with you. Um, this is... And we all know what Woodside does. Do you yeah, like do. the stock? Buy, hold, or sell?
1: Look, I, I do actually think it is a buy here. Mm. Um, so no, I notice it's, it's weird, actually, at the moment. Um, I've never seen, in, you know, in the last probably uh, sort of three or six months, I've never seen the broker valves so spread. Like, yeah. normally valuations are, are really wide apart. At the moment, JP Morgan's got a valuation of 23.55 on Woodside, Macquarie's got 23.50, UBS yep. 23.50, Morgan's 23.40. I've never seen a stock so everyone's got the same spreadsheet, same valuation at the moment for the stock here, so. Why is that, do you think? Uh, I, I don't know, so obviously, <laughs> everyone's got exactly the same valuation, so it's quite odd to sort of see that, but um, yes, yeah, so there's a few decisions here, obviously, the Scarborough sort of natural gas project is going to take some money yep. um, to, to get that done. So they pushed out that decision. So that's a little bit pending at the moment. Um, there is potential capital raise if they want to go ahead and with that project there. So there's a little negative there. But I do think the stocks are by here. I think um, around $18 is probably you know, quite buy. I think... Look, I think the oil recovery is going to be, a, you know, take a little time here. Yep. But I uh, definitely think that oil prices can, you will know, we'll probably move higher here or at least hold.
0: Mm. Well, it's been cutting costs, of course. We know Woodside made job cuts of about 300 just last week. That was announced. That's amid the oil price yep. crash, you could say, or the oil price falls that we've seen. Um, Howard, what's your thoughts on Woodside? First up, buy, hold, sell from you.
2: Oh, definitely not a buy so uh, probably a sell um, and um, I certainly don't own it I can't imagine any team invest members own it a hugely capital intensive business as everybody in that field is mm. and as a result their return on equity for the last five years the very best was eight percent and most years it's been significantly lower than eight now you can't really make money at it as an investor out of a company that has a low return on equity, it's got low return on equity, so you can't make money as an investor, um, and um, it's it's in a field where its assets are wasting. So you you constantly have to spend more money to develop new assets to replace the assets that have been used up, and you know uh, in the early 1980s, uh, uh, so long long time ago, uh, uh, Sheikh Yamani, who was head of OPEC at the time. Uh, predicted that uh, the world would eventually find substitutes for oil and his argument was the world didn't run uh, sorry the stone age didn't end because the world ran out of stones Mm -hmm. and the oil age won't end because the world runs out of oil now we're already seeing reductions in oil use not just because of COVID, but because of more efficient use of energy number one And at the same time, more use of renewables, number two. So uh, it's very hard to be enthusiastic about a company that's got to spend billions of dollars to develop an asset that it hopes is going to make it money for 10 to 20 years, um, when at the same time, it's possible that in that 10 to 20 years period, there's going to be less and less and less need for the product. So, um, you know, we've gone through a number of cycles of what were called peak oil, and the world was going to run out of oil. The first one was in the 1970s, and the world was going to run out of oil by 1990, mm. um, which of course turned out to be rubbish, the same as all other peak commodity stories are. Um, so really, uh, I find, you know, it, I'd hate to be my namesake's uh, job, because the CEO of Woodside is surname Coleman, same as me. I'd hate to be in his job, it may be well paid, But how do you run a business like this and run it extremely well? You may be a phenomenally good manager, but how do you really turn this into a a great investment for its owners? And the answer is, I don't know, so it's a sell for me.
0: Do you ever write a right of reply to that?
1: Oh, well, see, so they've actually got—they've actually got a lot of projects already um, earmarked. Yep. So, so they actually do have a bit of a growth pipeline here. Yep. Which it's means they've got a just, lot of
2: money they to spend. Yeah, you've just to spend some money here. But you, part
1: you part think part about the, the, the oil. Money if, if you look, at, if you look at any crisis in history, Howard, all stocks have always been the first stocks to be sold off, and they lead—they lead the crisis lower. So normally, they get belted first. Mm. So. Um, I don't know if they're the first to recover, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they typically. look So I just think it's look. I, I'm, I'm not a big mining fan. I don't, I don't. I'm with Howard a little bit yeah. on the capex. Yeah. But I do think this segment is. You know, you've got to look at. If, you, if you're investing in mining, you're looking at oversold. I think because the, the industry is. You know. You're looking for the one that's out of favor here so definitely oil is the most out of favor in that commodity and
0: this is a perfect example of making a market what we're seeing with analysts it's a bit of disagreement um, yeah. between the two of you which we love because that's that's exactly what absolutely. we see across yeah. the market yeah. absolutely okay let's move on from Woodside we'll leave it there we've got to buy from one of you, a sell from one of you um, let's move on to the next stock clean away waste management well wow, one that's been in the media certainly uh, a lot lately we know that much is true corporate governance in focus agm um in focus it's in our portfolio i will mention so we'll see if it can hold on i have a feeling we'll be taking some out um today of our portfolio but let's let's start with you howard on clean away what's your take
2: yeah sorry to do this to you ingrid (laughs) but uh, and by the way congratulations to the core portfolio it's done really well so well done uh, uh, you know for running well this this is you guys
0: really so it's available to viewers yep
2: Uh, um But, you know, 10 years worth of return on equity, it's never once had a decent return on equity in 10 years. Uh, It's been sub 5% for um, seven of the, eight of the 10 years. It's only scraped above 5% twice. Mm. Now, with return on equity that low, the company's not going to be a great investment, and it isn't. And uh, earnings per share has grown a little bit, um, but... Uh, you know uh, with that kind of return on equity you're not going to get great results so uh, but putting aside and by the way it's on a PE ratio of about 32 so to have a 32 PE ratio when you can't even generate more than a few cents on every dollar of shareholders equity um, even putting aside the corporate governance issues mm. it's mm. hard to get enthusiastic about it so from me it's a definite sell
0: okay a sell from Howard Gary, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I think when the P is really high here. The yields are less than 2%. Um, I think the guidance there, so the, the last result in August there, was revenue was only up 2% for the year. Mm-hmm. Net profit was off slightly, sort of down 6%. The last trading update, they're talking about moderately being, you know, um, the results sort of earnings to be moderately higher than, um, in 2021 but with a little bit of a um, subject to recovery and economic conditions so that's a pretty broad uh, disclaimer there um, but don't get past the multiple there I think most of broker valves are sitting around the 220 to 270 so um, so that's probably around the middle here at the moment but I'd, I'm with Howard there I just can't get excited by this I think um, it's had a few issues there so might be under a little bit of pressure here yeah. for a little bit, just the multiple's pretty high as so for, a, yeah. So just, yeah, I know sort of at the moment, people will be looking at this because uh, in the budget, we're talking about a lot of money in that sort of, um, in that building infrastructure project space. So that will be mm. probably good for CleanAway. Um, so they're seeing a you know an uptick in trading conditions, probably slightly healthier. So that's a plus there. So that'll probably hold the share price up. but. I can't see it shooting the lights out here. I think it looks fully priced here at the moment.
0: So out of our portfolio then, a sell from both of you on
1: I'm I'm not really a sell I I think it'll just sort of sit here. I don't think it'll actually um, go far. All
0: right, a hold from Gary then. Um, Howard, I do want to ask you though, when it comes to these sort of stocks, right? Ones that have been in the media, um, there's alleging of of all sorts of behavior of bullying and, and, and that sort of corporate governance, I guess, in focus. Obviously, not a lot of confirmation, but certainly a lot of speculation. That gets investors nervous. How do, you, how do you sort of respond to, to corporate governance issues within businesses, particularly things that are still under investigation? What, what do you do as an investor?
2: Well, I think you, you really need to read up a bit and try and understand a little bit more what it's all about. Uh, allegations don't necessarily mean proof, mm. and it would be pretty terrible for uh, businesses and for society as a whole if people were guilty until proved innocent instead of innocent and proved guilty. But um, there seems to be enough smoke that that fire seems to be likely uh in this particular case but overall what you really want to do is you want to look at who's on the board if there's a really strong board of entrepreneurial people with business now who likely to be keeping the ceo and uh, uh, management uh, accountable the likelihood is that any of these corporate governance issues are probably nothing to worry about on the other hand if uh the board is a largely independent board who, under, who hardly understand the industry the chances are if it's a good CEO it's fine if it's a CEO who's doing the wrong thing they'll get away with doing the wrong thing for a very very long time as we saw with AMP and as we've seen with many other companies because uh, you know it sounds wonderful that we should have independent directors but the qualification to be an independent director in, in Australia pretty much precludes anybody who would understand the business really well. So if you don't understand the business really well, yes, it's all very nice that you're supposedly independent, but what are you independently going to do? You're not going to independently do anything useful. You're only independently going to do things that are probably pretty useless. And um, uh, I I think it's been a very big mistake in Australia to set the, the qualifications for independent directors in the absurd ways that we've actually set them, that it largely precludes anybody who would really understand the business well. All So, you know, as a general rule, look at the board, see who's on the board Mm. and what the Mm. qualifications and background are.
0: All right, well, we'll leave that discussion there. That's clean away waste management, Howard's got to sell, Gary's got to hold on that one and we'll move on to stock number nine for the day, and that's Macquarie Telecom Group, ticker MAQ. This comes from Janine. So thanks Janine for the question on this one. Um, I'll kick this one off with you, Gary. Macquarie Telecom, obviously one that you'd imagine would be a beneficiary from what's been going on with COVID and the work from home trend. What's your take on this one by yeah, so,
1: yourself? Yeah, so sort of in that telco, sort of the business end, which is not a bad segment. But no. so it's, it's it's really hard here at the moment because you've got to get a market cap of around a billion. Uh, dollars on MAQ so it's it's basically pricing in a lot of growth here so this is all about the the investment in the data centers so they've just spent uh, 140 million this year capex on um on building these data centers and that's gonna fuel the next leg of growth for this company but gee the, the valuation has really gotten ahead of itself mm-hmm. the share price has gone up considerably so if you look at the business now what they're doing what they're earning so revenue is only what two hundred and sixty six million for the year you know net profit thirty and a half million for the full year yeah um, yet we got a billion dollar market cap that's that's crazy um, but these data centers are here is is um, is gonna fuel the next leg of growth for them so people are backing the management there because obviously Macquarie um, MAQ has done very well mm. but my concern here is I just think it's sort of going to be 12 months before the data center's up and running. So there's going to be a bit of a lag in the earnings here and market always looks ahead. So runs ahead of itself because um, they get excited about the future. And then actually once you actually start, you know, sort of uh, once the data center's up and running, it's going, to, it's going to take a while here. So I just think it's pricing in a lot of success so far. So even though these guys have, you know, have delivered, it's just, oh, it's just getting fully, it's just getting expensive here.
0: Well, the price has got to be right, doesn't it, to, to buy a stock. Yeah. So you got a hold on this one?
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't buy it here now. So, so it looks, looks expensive. I'd, I'd probably prefer to sort of
2: wait for a rainy day.
0: Okay, there you have it. That's Gary's view. Now let's go to Howard. Howard, buy, hold, sell for you on Macquarie Telecom.
2: Yeah, I think I'm more or less the same as Gary. Uh, it's got quite good return on equity. Its return on equity has been more than 10% a year for the last four years. Mm. So that's a good sign. Uh, earnings have been reasonably flat over the last four years Um, and the fact that they're building or have built all these new data centers is good for growth in the future but what an awful type of business to be in where you build data centers today that cost you less than the ones you built last time and next time they'll cost you even less to build when you build them next time so you've got an asset that you've spent money on that you'd be able to make cheaper the next time you made it. Now, that's not great in the long term for any business, that the, the amount of money you spend today uh, would have been less if you, if you could have delayed it. So um, from that point of view, it doesn't look that good. And you know when you consider, as Gary pointed out, the amount of profit it makes and the PE that it's on um, is way ahead of itself. So while I think the business looks quite good, um, other than the caveats I mentioned, At the share price that it is today, and the PE ratio that it is today, I would absolutely shudder. I wouldn't even vaguely consider buying it. I mean, uh, uh, if 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 the share price halved, it would maybe get a bit of consideration, Mm. but uh, wow, it's expensive. The the other companies making the same amount of profit, net profit after tax, on the stock exchange that uh, have market caps of 100 and 150 million, uh, not a billion.
0: So we've got to box you in, Howard. Are you a hold or a sell for this one?
2: No, I'm definitely a sell at these prices. Okay,
0: sell for Howard at these prices. Um, so evaluation valuation, well, valuation certainly plays into it. Macquarie Telecom. Let's go to our last stock because we're running out of time. This one's Unity Group, UWL. It comes from Fran. Thanks so much, Fran. For your question on this one, um, Howard, do you know much about this stock?
2: I don't, but I read up a little bit about it just before the show, And uh, it looks like a a little new uh, telco or or, Mm -hmm. um, infrastructure for telcos more than the actual telco itself it's only been listed for approximately a year um, so it's a little bit hard to look at any data and see anything meaningful it did make a profit in 2020 which is a good sign because most of the new companies listed don't so that's at least a positive But we don't really have enough information to know. And it's a very crowded space. There's a huge amount of competition in that area. So we really need to sort of look at another three, four years, at least preferably five, of how well management actually runs this company to know whether or not it's likely to prove a wealth winner. So definitely a a no from me. But um, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to look at it again in a few years' time.
0: All right, a sell from Howard for now. We'll put it that way, Gary.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean the interesting thing here is they in June they they bid uh, five ten a share for Opticom. Yep. In September, um, Opticom received uh, another another uh, bid from another from another party five eighty five. So they matched that in September, and now they've just decided to up the bid again. So five twenty cash one oh seven in uh, share, So so it's gone from five ten to six sixty seven. So they're going to pay uh, a lot for this um, for this Opticom. So mm. that's going to be a little bit earnings, I'll uh, have an impact on earnings there. So um, yeah, so look, everyone liked the acquisition there initially, but I think everyone's now a little worried about the price they've paid, hence why the shares are probably coming down at the moment. So uh, oftentimes when you make a big purchase, pay top dollar for it. It can take a while to um, absorb and get the synergies there. So might, might be you know the stock might sort of uh churn water for a little bit
0: okay so a sell from you on that one
1: um
0: hold it sounds yeah
1: like. i think it's just gonna probably go nowhere okay
0: and in terms of competitors in the space are there many competitors in this space
1: uh yeah heaps yeah so it's um i mean in in that sort of whole telco space there's plenty of different parties exactly. there I, I, I like tpg personally so yeah
0: okay well, uh, let's um, have a look at where we're sitting because we have closed off those 10 stocks now, but let's look at the second half of the show, what we've seen uh, from our guests. And in terms of integrated research, it was in our portfolio, we had a hold from Gary, a buy from Howard for that one. Woodside Petroleum, we had a buy from Gary, a hold, uh, Howard had a sell. Cleanaway Waste Management, um, it was in the portfolio. I think it'll probably be taken out now because uh, Howard had a sell on that one. Gary had a hold for Cleanaway uh for macquarie telecom we've got uh this was also in our portfolio a hold from gary a sell from howard um and unity group a sell from howard and a hold from gary so this is what happens with our portfolio and it's important this is why we this is why the portfolio is doing so well because of course um our guests all contribute and we we move the stocks obviously out of out if we get a sell on the stock so that's what we've seen today Um, no need to apologize Howard that's what we like Um, but we will wrap the program up that is what we've seen we didn't get a double buy uh, on any of our stocks so we won't be adding anything to the portfolio today from this episode of the call but a big thank you to our guests Gary Glover of course from Novus Capital thank Thank you for joining us Howard Coleman always a pleasure to have you from Team Invest thank you so much
2: Pleasure. It was great to be on again, as always, and good to see you again, Gary, too.
0: And that's it for our show today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, you can flick us an email, thecall at osbees.com.au, or of course, you can tweet us at TV. A reminder, where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And um, remember as well, you can get the latest from our team straight to your inbox. You can sign up for the COB. This is the stuff you need to know about the day in business finance and startups. Subscribe at Ausbeers.co forward slash join and we'll have it in your inbox by 5.30 Eastern every day, Monday to Friday. And are you looking for your next investment? We'll tune into the Startup Daily Show every day. Uh, the team brings you companies seeking capital, all the latest in the startup sector. Today, though, we'll be joined by Larry Diamond from Zip as the Buy Now, Pay Later uh, stock launches a brand new service. So its products will be accepted anywhere that takes a visa. We'll have all the details with Larry Diamond in the Startup Daily Show. That's coming up for you next.